Monica. <laughs> Hi. How's it going? It's cool. Um, I'd like to say that I'm used to this screen-based friendship world that we're in for who knows how long, but I'm not used to it yet. No, it's kind of weird. It's true. Um, I'm getting a little more used to not being so self-conscious on Zoom. Like before, I think it was this idea of staring at a tiny picture of my face for hours on end was really, it just gave me an odd sense of, I don't know, just like self-consciousness. Yeah. And now I'm learning that I don't care about the way I look on Zoom anymore. <laughs> That's happening with me and work stuff, especially because we're not used to being in meetings and seeing yourself. Right. Yeah. You kind of forget about it and you're able to just focus on whatever's being talked about. Mm -hmm. And I don't think about it every time. Like I take a sip of water of what it looks like and on zoom, you're just faced with your image constantly. And I feel like it, it was really distracting for a while. Um, okay. So should we introduce ourselves? <laughs> yeah. Let's introduce ourselves. So this is our art crime podcast. It's called Thickest Thieves. <laughs> and we are two private investigators with backgrounds in art, art history, curating, museums and gallery world, um, art journalism. And then we also have jobs in criminal defense investigation. Mm -hmm. So this is our way of marrying those two fields. Yes. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. I'm basically drinking balsamic vinegar right now. Oh God. Is it like old wine? <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's actually like a cocktail that has like a balsamic vinegar bitters base. Oh. Yeah. And I really like it. I love the taste of all vinegars. So mm -hmm. I'm into it, but it's, it's not a thing that a lot of people would be into. Like a yeah. lot of people wince at this kind of flavor. And so it's a balsamic vinegar bitters. Mm -hmm. huh. Or to be exact, shrubs. Shrubs. Okay. You can see it's like dark, like balsamic vinegar. Yeah. It looks like just flat Coke. I like, I like the divisive drinks. I like the ones that people either, you know, hate or really love. I think Frenette is on that list. And I, and love, I, I love, yeah. Yeah. But so many people think that it tastes terrible. Those people haven't lived. I don't know. I still, I think that it heals me in some ways. Like if I just have a little bit of it, at night, I I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. Same. I think you you actually I can't I don't know if it was you or Rachel who brought me onto the Frenette world because her dad drinks it constantly. <laughs> so okay, so we are we've been doing it's our second season. We had to take mm -hmm. a break for a while to figure out how to do this, you know, to kind of sort out how to fit the pandemic into our lives before we continue doing this and. The season so far has been oriented towards like art destruction and vandalism, but we have learned that that can get, you phrased it really well the other day, like it's kind of hard to take out all the threads of that kind of situation. Like we've come up with some good examples of it, but there are so many examples that just don't have much of a story behind it. Mm -hmm. Like people do stuff to artworks all the time, just in terms of like damaging them, but there aren't. It, it's kind of hard to dig into the complexities of it. Like with art heists, there's so many different layers. With exactly. art destruction, there aren't really. Um, well, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like the act. And then some. sometimes we get a little bit of, we learn a little bit about the motive. And sometimes it's very interesting, but sometimes it's kind of flat. Yeah. So it seems like maybe we're going to shift away from that a bit. And throw I think for ball. this episode, so 
For this episode, I wanted to talk about something a little bit different just because it's been so much um, on my mind. I've been reading a lot about it. Yeah. And so I wanted to, I wanted to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about the very tragic murder-suicide that happened. This was July 22nd of this year, so... It's like yesterday. Yeah, it's like two weeks ago. And I think this has been, this is a fascinating thing because it's also right in the middle of a couple of social movements that are happening that are that are kind of tying it all together, which I think is really interesting. Mm. Um, so I'll give you like the general overview and then we can kind of talk about the different layers. So on the 22nd of July in Berlin, the curator and gallery director, Rebecca Bloom, I guess it's Bloom. It might be Blum. I think it's Bloom. Bloom. Yeah, I say Bloom. Or wait, there's that gallery in LA, but it's Blum and Poe. It's spelled B-L-U-M. Yeah, so it might be Blum. Is she connected to that? I don't think so. I'm going to say Bloom because that's what's just naturally coming. And if, yeah. we're, if we've made a mistake, then we'll correct it later. Yeah. I'll put out an official um, apology for getting her name wrong. Okay, so on the 22nd... She was found in her apartment, deceased. She had been stabbed to death by her boyfriend. And she's a 53-year-old, like, very well-known, renowned curator in Europe. She was born, like, right outside of Philadelphia. She's an American woman who was living in Berlin for the last decade or two. And she's, she's just so accomplished. She's one of those people that like, you look at kind of what she's done in her life and it's so impressive. And she was married to this super hip artist guy, this British, actually, I think they were, they were just boyfriend and girlfriend. I don't think they were actually married, but Saul Fletcher is Mm -hmm. his name who you might know. Yeah. Um, So Saul Fletcher is a photographer has shown all, you know, he's shown his work all over the place since I think his first show was in like 97 or something. But since then, he's been a pretty prominent photographer. And so they were together for like the last eight years and seemingly a power couple. You know, it's like one of those things you've got an ama- a brilliant curator, you've got a very cool artist who's doing all this great stuff with his career. So it was really shocking to read this story because at first it was just, the story that she had been found dead in her home and then in Berlin. And then as things start to become clear, they realize that he's the suspect. Obviously they haven't proven anything. He hasn't gone to trial, but it was a, he ended up, the story is that he called their daughter. They have a daughter who's like 22. Her name's Emma. And he called her confessed to the murder and then killed himself in like their vacation home. Okay. After that. Questions already. Yes. One, uh, what was the cause of her death? Like how was she killed or how did she die? She was stabbed numerous times. In her chest or? They're, they haven't really said information yet. It's okay. just that she was stabbed to death, which almost always is like, I feel like that's always a personal thing. You yeah. know, like you don't really, people don't really do that when it comes to strangers. Mm-mm. It's more of like a... Uh, I mean, it happens, but it's very... It's usually personal. Um, they have a daughter who's 22, but they've been together for eight years. How Yeah, it's not that... her... I think it's just her daughter. Okay. They have been... It's his stepdaughter. 
Ah, uh, all right. That makes sense. Yeah. And so how long after her death did he call the daughter? It seems like it was only like a day. She got the call. She called the police at 11.15 p.m. on that Tuesday night. So I, I think it was all within the same day. So maybe even hours. So we're still waiting on that information. But it, so immediately, and I hate this kind of, I hate this thing that we do, but it's like when something like this happens, I just want to go back and look at their artwork. Mm-hmm. Like I by no means want to participate in the fuck this guy. He's terrible. If this is what happened. It's interesting to go and look at his work like from the last like year or two. And there's some really bizarre, freaky paintings. Um, oh, so he's a photographer, but he was in the last couple of years, he's been painting. Yes. So I, what I gather when I look at his work, so they're on artsy, there are a lot of his works. There are other like art databases, but there's one from 2018 called all are dead. And it's like this really creepy, I guess maybe he takes photographs of his walls that are also painted there. His photographs look very much like a painting. There's definitely drawn and painted elements, but I think at the end of the day, it's a photograph. Right. So imagine if you painted all sorts of stuff on the wall. The one I'm looking at right now, there's like an umbrella kind of affixed to the wall. Mm-hmm. And then I think he takes a picture of that. So it's very painterly, these photographs. Okay. I'm looking up, I'm trying to look up this painting, All Are Dead. So is this a big surprise? Uh... Yeah. So I think it, I think this has come to a big shock, come as a shock to a lot of people. Um, but Also, one of the things is like he's one of the like media aspects of this is he's being touted as like Brad Pitt's artist friend. Yes. So there are these photos of Saul Fletcher and Brad Pitt walking around the Venice Biennale in last year. And so that's part of this like media frenzy that's happening around this story is that you know they're they're kind of pitching it as like Saul Fletcher who was involved in the celebrity life turns out to be this troubled murderer. I'm wondering, is it? Wow. Okay. I mean, a lot of his work has been, I mean, a lot of it is just creepy in nature. I don't, I mean, creepy is not the right word, but a lot of it is just dark. It's like dark and brooding. And so this is a photograph of a painting, I guess, right? Because it's a C type print. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but you see what I mean by it's very painterly. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess he had to paint this or whatever before he photographed it. Because I'm imagining this is his creation with the gun mm-hmm. shooting out letters that say B-C-E-M-E-P-B-D-L, which I don't know if that means anything. I feel like it probably does. Hmm. It, yeah, it has to. Well, maybe it doesn't have to, but it... I would think it would. Maybe we'll never know, but hmm. it's worth not that much considering. <laughs> yeah. It's like 7,500 euros. So it's strange to look at. So on Artsy, there are only maybe eight or nine works. What is this? Mm. Eight, eight paintings, nine. And a lot, you know, a lot of them are for from 2018. Some of them are older. I just think it's fascinating to look at them and just kind of analyze them knowing the facts that we know now or knowing what has happened. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's that's I guess that's very morbid, but yeah, but it's it's about death. Like, mm-hmm. The guy murdered his wife and then killed himself. Um, so studying his work through this lens of morbid makes a lot of sense because I'm looking at some of these other pieces, like the umbrella one, which has a star of David at the bottom of it. Yeah, it's very small too. It's only like a five by seven. It's oh. a very very small print so it's like he made all this work in 2018 and then 2019 he's walking around the venice biennale with brad pitt which everyone's obsessed with because yeah the only way they seem like they can put this headline out and get a lot of attention is to throw brad pitt's name into this and it's like how good of friends are they they walk around <laughs> the venice biennale together like does that mean yeah. they're best friends in the world are they thick as thieves right and i wonder how brad pitt's feeling about He's going to hate it. He's going to be like that one time I took a, you know, maybe it's like he took a single stroll with this dude, got photographed. And now it's like he's best friends with this killer guy. Right. (laughs) Like all the reports that I've read so far say that, um, you know, Brad Pitt has declined to comment or his, you know, press people have declined to comment. So I have no idea how how what their relationship was but just for the record those photographs are circulating all over the place yeah i'm starting to look into it now just like out of curiosity and it's just so many pictures of the two of them walking around venice mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so but so i think it's worth talking about her because i guess yeah. another thing was you know I started just looking at stuff that she had done and she was a total badass. Mm -hmm. Um, So she studied, you know, she grew up outside of Philadelphia. She studied art history at American university. And then she Mm -hmm. went on, she was like working in galleries while also working in restaurants in San Francisco, doing that whole thing. Um, And then in the early nineties, she moves to Germany and ends up landing in Berlin. And that's where she, That's where she stayed. I think she moved there in somewhere in the early to mid nineties. So then while in Berlin, she co-founds this arts nonprofit called like art base EV. She has all these like weird name and weird titles that she gives her projects and her undertakings. Mm. It is. um, So this, she was doing online exhibitions like as early as 1995. So she was in this like pioneering group of people who are already doing internet stuff and online art stuff, which I love. Mm -hmm. And I think Berlin's kind of always been that way of pushing things. Yeah, for sure. Pushing the envelope. And then she also created this platform for, it's like an independent publishing platform called txt.de. Hmm. And she's just one of those people, she had a lot of, she was definitely ahead of her time and was doing a lot of cool, very cool stuff, curating a lot of exhibits. And she worked in different major galleries in Berlin and then was like a satellite, um, you know, kind of did satellite work for American galleries. And then she opened up her own firm, which was called Bloom, like Bloom Fine Art Management or something. But it's just, it's kind of nice to see sort of all of the all of the stuff that she was doing, all of this happened. So something that is a layer of this that is extremely interesting to me is that when this murder happened, it was also, do you remember like a couple of 
weeks ago when that whole like challenge accepted thing was happening mm-hmm. on Instagram. Yeah. So there was, it was, it was this like trend that all of these women were posting black and white photographs of themselves, mm-hmm. just saying hashtag challenge accepted and saying something about like supporting women. I did not know what that was. Like mm-hmm. when I first saw it, I always get very confused by Instagram trends whenever they first happen because I'm not on there a lot, but yeah, always, like it comes onto my radar. And so that one was about maybe it'll just be old news by the time this airs. I don't know, but um, so that whole trend was started by women in Turkey who were like protesting the like femicide they call mm-hmm. it like the just killing of females there. <clears throat> and so they were posting these black and white photos to mimic like what was ran in the newspaper after these women were killed. And so it was this kind of dem- sort of domestic killing movement that happened. Mm-hmm. And so all of that going on, all of that happened at the same time that this happened. And so I guess in my just general realm of culture, these, this happening at the same time of like that whole in- Instagram movement was interesting. So I think it made me like a little... I don't know, just more interested in it. Yeah. In the whole story. But yeah, I started to think about like with all the women posting those black and white photos, there's something very, or I'm curious of your, your thoughts about this mm-hmm. of like, is that any, is that going to be some type of art form? Like I think about the black box with the black lives matter movement. Yeah. Like, everyone did the blackout Tuesday thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's something about that that seems like this collective artwork that people are making like something that is I don't know how it's ever going to be like documented or preserved but this collective kind of experiment with imagery and sort of mass imagery is something that is becoming increasingly fascinating to me as I see these things happen right yeah I mean as someone who's also not really on social media either I watch these things happen and I'm kind of like, that's interesting, but I kind of stay in the shadows of it all. But I like thinking about it in terms of, of this collective launch of similar images, like with this um, challenge accepted thing. I've been seeing that a lot Mm -hmm. lately and I didn't even really look into like what it was about. I I just kind of gathered, oh, I think this is about women taking selfies. I I was like, I don't really know. going on but it's empowering it seems and but yeah how do you kind of document these moments in time that where there's a fever pitch like someone who's like all right we're gonna do a campaign and the way that you're gonna participate is by all launching an image or a message that is identical in some way or another to the original this like collective cloning effect and then it it's you know, you don't really know how many of those are happening. Like how big is this movement? Except that if you look at your own Instagram feed, you'll see like, okay, 12 people I know are doing this. Mm -hmm. So therefore it seems to be a big deal. Yeah. Like I wonder if there will ever be a way to actually see it in its entirety. Right. I don't think so, but I imagine it would be very beautiful. Like I think of, do you remember, um, what was her name? Penelope Umbrico? I think, Mm -hmm. do you know the artist where she would do... Um, she did, I'm going to make sure I have her She's Brazilian, right? right? No, she's American. And the reason why I'm thinking of her, I saw her talk at Vanderbilt. Mm. Um, but she does like one of her main things that she does is she takes 
a ton of images of something really banal and -hmm. puts it together. And it's just something absolutely gorgeous. So for instance, she takes, and she sources it all off the internet. So she, like one piece, she has images of sunsets. It's just like all the bajillion images of sunsets that people have taken over the course of internet history. And Mm. they're just so boring. You know, it's just the picture that everyone takes. It could be anywhere. It could be anyone, you know, it's, it's just such an overused image. And she takes all of those, prints them out and we'll do like a wall installation Mm. of some sort. Um, and it looks so cool to see it in the thousands. So you can take one pretty boring image and then just, you know, when a thousand people, 2000, 3000 people are doing it, it looks interesting. And she's done that with all sorts of stuff. She also like sources images off of Craigslist of like Mm. certain pieces, you know, furniture and things. Um, Mm. but something that I really like about her work is that she tries to capture the scope of internet stuff. Yeah. And I think it sort of makes me wonder if there will ever be a time where we can like actual, actually have some sort of documentation of, for instance, the like blackout Tuesday thing. Like what did that actually look like Mm. across the world? I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just a fleeting thing. Right that we'll never be able to like go back to or see again. Hmm. Except going through archives of people's accounts or something. Right. But you can't ever get like the, f- you can't ever get whatever the impact of it was because it'll all just be like black boxes randomly on like someone's Instagram grid, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so you, whatever the effect was of numerous people scrolling through, just seeing black, 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 you know, like all of that, there's no capturing of that ever right. again. No, that's true. And so this woman, this curator, her doing that Instagram social media thing, do you think that correlates to her death? Oh, no, she didn't do it. It was just this This happened at the same time. Mm. So as I was reading about all of that stuff, which is all about kind of domestic homicide and things like that, then I start reading about this story. Oh, I And see. I guess there just seemed to be a parallel and that this is kind of that both of the things are involving the art world in some way. I guess it, I guess it made me start thinking about kind of how, how these images are kind of supporting a social movement. And I can't, it's hard to imagine another time where people were creating so many images, even if it's just a selfie, let's just say like, I mean, selfies are boring, but, but it's still like an individual creating an image, putting it out in the world for a particular like protest or cause or whatever. Um, and so many people doing that all at once seems really beautiful. Even if they didn't, you know, even if people don't really know what it's about, but the fact that it is about something so serious. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm wondering in the course of history, like how that stuff will be remembered. Cause it does seem like an artwork. It seems like a big giant blanket artwork that it's interesting to think about it like that because I wasn't thinking about it like that before. I was thinking yeah. of it more like, you know, even if it's in the name of a really good cause, there's there's something about these trends on social media, and I'm only on Instagram, but when they happen, I refrain from participating in yeah. them. It doesn't mean I have disdain for them or or anything like that. It's just like, I just feel like, uh, I, I've always had that reaction to kind of mass 
mm-hmm. let's do this stuff, like depending on what it is. And, and so I see these things and I'm just kind of like, I acknowledge them and then just like move on. And this is like the first time in my life <laughs> where I'm thinking about it differently, where I'm kind of like, ah, yeah. Okay. It's like turning it on its side a bit. And yeah, I mean, there's something that's like inherently cheesy about it. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. there's something inherently cheesy about like everybody posting a black and white selfie. Like it seems very, I don't know. I don't know how it's, it's hard to articulate it, but when I think about the blackout one mm-hmm. and just kind of that, like very powerful, I mean, that's a pretty powerful conceptual idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that we haven't been able to do before. Like how would that would have, I'm trying to think of like how it would have been done 20 years ago in some other media or form. Like it's kind of something that can only be done now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that there's no way to preserve it. There's no way to like 20 years from now when Instagram's definitely gone and no one's using it except for old people or whatever. <laughs> Um, like I want, I just wonder how those, how those movements will be remembered in history Hmm. because I feel like, you know, you've got like Guernica and like these old, you know, paintings that were about war and protests or whatever, you know, like any number of paintings that like stick around and their meaning and their context is like very, it's pretty discernible and it's just, and it's a document of a movement in a way that's not, you know, just like a book or an essay or whatever. It's just like very visual interpretation of certain wars and things that are Yeah, happening. absolutely. Yeah, it is interesting to think about this murder juxtaposed to all of that. Um, and maybe they're just very, maybe they're very different things, but they're just happening at the same time in my head. And I'm just thinking about, thinking about all of this stuff. Yeah, and I think it's what? because she did so much with online stuff, online curation, online like publishing. She was into internet culture sort of before a lot of other people From were. From like the 90s, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what about the motive to kill her? Is there any speculation on that? Like why did he kill her? Were they still together or had they just broken up? It looks like they were still together. Um, it's... I don't know what the motive is yet, but what's becoming an issue is like, you know, how are the galleries going to respond? So there are, um, you know, already galleries who represent him are, you know, taking, taking things down, like taking tweets down of his work or taking down his art from their website, all this kind of stuff, you know, essentially the like cancel, you know, just, okay, he's a bad guy. So let's like, let's take his stuff off the internet. Okay. Um, and so I think that's, if you were a gal, say you were his gallery owner, gallery, why can't I figure this word? Gallery you, director. Yeah, yes. You, were you represented him. You mm-hmm. represented him. There we go. Um, <laughs> what would you do in this moment? Mm. He was up that's... on your website. You had promoted him a lot. You had sold his work to people. Uh, yeah, I would want to disown him. Um, he, like, he can't speak for himself because he's dead too now. So I would, I mean, just analyzing the situation as it is, 
you know, a dude killing his wife tragically, horribly in a very violent or his partner or whatever, like in this very violent way. Like I look down on that act. And if he was in my stable of artists, I would like, I wouldn't want to be involved with him anymore. Right. You know, like even if it appreciated the value of his work, the situation, which that has happened in the past with these kind of situations, like something tragic, like the artist kills, commits suicide or goes to jail or whatever is a part of like some kind of scandal. It increases the value of the artwork in a way, Um, or this has happened in the past. Even if that was the case, I would feel guilty and gross for benefiting from that Mm -hmm. potential thing happening. So I would go in the direction of um, making a point to just no longer want to have his work. I don't know, like the offloading of an artist in their estate. And like, if you represent an artist, I I don't know if it's really that easy to just like stop there's right. contracts and there's money. There's it. You don't just say like, Oh, you're a shit. So goodbye. Even though you're mm-hmm. dead, like you can't just delete their name. It's not that simple. It's there's like a whole procedure involved. Um, so it would be a mess. It's a mess to do that, but yeah. it would be a mess. I would take on because I wouldn't want to be making money off this fucker anymore. Um, mm-hmm. What about you? I mean, I think this kind of brings up, obviously people have been dealing with it a lot in other art forms in terms of, I think, I mean, I guess the thing that comes to mind is like comedians who have been accused of, you know, really terrible sexual harassment. Yeah, my mind immediately went to that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, what do you do in that situation where you have been, you know, say you're their artist manager or whatever, you know, like I think in today's culture, that's a huge dilemma that people are constantly dealing with. Like, do do you just drop the reins on somebody who is now seen as like, you know, an abuser of some sort or, you know, in whatever kind of negative light. And I haven't seen it happen all that much in the art world. Mm -mm. And this is even worse. This is obviously something that's like taken to the next level of like, here's someone who, committed a very horrible, violent act against somebody who was also well-known in the community, you know? Mm. And yeah, I mean, I think I would, I would probably do the same thing. I think I would just say, all right, this work has now the narrative of the work has changed and that sucks for anyone who bought his work. And then, you know, now it's something different, but I think that's the risk you take in all cultural stuff, you know, like you just never know when the story is going to change. Yeah. I mean, there's, I would probably a hundred years ago, if the same thing happened, it wouldn't affect the gallery would continue to represent the artist. I, mm-hmm. I, Cause I feel like there was like less interest or a situation where justice trumps uh, every time I use that as a verb, I'm like, wait, I need to just completely <laughs> delete that from my vocabulary. But can we? Can we just delete that verb? Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is, I feel like a hundred years ago, perhaps this wouldn't have affected the art sales as much. Maybe there wouldn't be so much of an interest in this story. 
because it's just men running a scene. And so an artist kills his lover. Well, artists are passionate, whatever, like we'll keep selling their work. But now we're in an era of like accountability. That's right. more powerful than passionate artists stuff. You know, it's, it's like, okay, well, if this person's a shit, then we're all taking a stand on that. Um, like the more numbers we get in supporting the kind of demise of a, especially male artist who especially like commits an act of violence against a female, um, you know, that's, it's, it's bigger. It's more important to turn your back on that collectively than to continue supporting that artist's career, even though they're dead. You reject it. You just mm-hmm. trash it. Goodbye. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm into that. I am too. Well, I think it just shows a whole new era of like who's, who's running things or who, you know, who matters mm-hmm. because I do, I completely agree with you. Like a hundred years ago, you maybe 50 years ago, like it wouldn't matter. Cause he's still, Oh, he's a, he's an artist with a vision who's yeah. Passionate, whatever. Um, and it definitely wouldn't have been as big of a deal, but I think now we're in a very, very different place culturally and now we're just like oh like that's how you're gonna act okay you're gone we're not gonna support you anymore and I think yeah I'm really curious to see how the art world responds because I think I do hope that I hope we devalue the work because we want to reject him and that type of behavior you know what I mean like absolutely I think it shows that women matter more and that there's just a different approach to how how we see our cultural leaders and our artists and what we expect of them. Definitely. I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm going to do an episode on, on, um, Carl Andre and Anna Mandieta and that mm-hmm. situation, you know, they were a little synopsis. Okay. So Carl Andre, uh, kind of abstract, well, like conceptual sculptures of using materials that are often used with like railroad tracks that kind of thing. He he does grids that you can, if they're in a museum, you can walk on his artwork. And Anna Mendieta, his wife, oh, and this is like late 70s, early 80s, was a performance artist. And the story is that one day she fell from, I don't know, the 68th story of a building in New York City. It was his apartment. I think they both had separate apartments, even though they were married. And it was considered a suicide, but it's widely known. And if you just like look into the case, which I did, he definitely killed her. Mm -hmm. You know, he pushed her out a window and killed her. And that's a situation where when that happened, yes, there were all these artists, mostly female artists who stood up against the situation, but Carl Andre continued to do incredibly well as an artist. He had representation he sold work that it didn't even really put a dent in his career at all. If that's crazy, potentially it did the opposite. And so it's very infuriating to read about that story and learn how male driven art world, New York city um, was just like, eh, well, that's a nasty little story. Sad that she died. Sad that she killed herself, if you want to like be in denial about the fact that he clearly murdered her. But they just continue to sell his work. So he continues to thrive. You know, mm-hmm. he, does, he does well. 
that is like the ultimate thing where he gets the green light on. You can continue to be this way. You will still succeed. You will still make money. You will still be famous. You'll be in museums and you will be in galleries and murdering your own wife will not change that at all. And that's disappointing. So Mm -hmm. seeing this backlash with Saul Fletcher, it's come on, let's not do the Carl Andre thing all over again. Right. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, Saul Fletcher's dead now, so he'll never be able to be held accountable for it. And we also won't be able to really see what would have happened if he would have stayed alive. You know, would it be a Carl Andre thing? But I think the best we can do is to, you know, not repeat that situation. And if nothing else, just reject the art world and not let Mm-hmm. people make a profit off that shithead's artwork. Exactly. You know, or that that's not, I don't know, something that's seen as, I guess it's hard to say not seen as valuable, like artwork or legitimate artwork, because it is. I mean, it's still like legitimate artwork, but I guess it's that re reattaching the artist's biography and history to the art itself, which there are so many, you know, so many people who say that we shouldn't do that, that we should separate them, that, you know, the artist's, biography and story and you know their life should be and you should just look at the artwork without having to know anything about the artist yeah that's a common argument you know I stand on the side of the intersection of life and work is is definitely a part of the art project even if you're making work that's completely detached from whatever your personal life is there is a tie-in you can't you can't really separate the two but there are a lot of people who are super formalist about this and so many and they don't and i would say it's a pretty old school art history thing to create this complete separation between a body of work and an artist's life Mm -hmm. as though it's tacky to meld the two but i say fuck that you can't read a thing about an artist without learning a little bit about where what their background was it makes Mm -hmm. a difference to know if say they're making work in response to having been in a concentration camp when they were a child you know or that they're making an art they're making artwork in response to racism that they experienced or that they so Mm -hmm. it's like how do you separate the two I really I can hear people use all these terms and words, but I just, it never works for me. Like I'm not convinced that you can divide those two things up. And in this situation, like Saul Fletcher, it doesn't mean he's not an artist anymore. He's an artist. He was an artist. He was important in his own way, but by continuing to fuel money into his artwork, we're saying it's fine for him to, you know, it's not like he's being dethroned or something in a way. It's just like you acknowledge he's an artist, but you're also going to acknowledge that you no longer want to pump economic value into his existence or his name. He killed her. I mean, mm-hmm. he called the daughter and said that he did it. And then he killed himself within 24 yeah, hours. Yeah, and there's no, it says, like there, one report says the Brandenburg police have said there's no evidence of anyone else being involved in the double death. So, I mean, at, at least at this point, there mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be any other explanation. Yeah. I mean, in our field with criminal defense, we're always opening things up to the question of what could have happened other than the obvious thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in this situation, I can't really see who would be interested in staging a whole thing where she's killed and then 
he confesses and then commits suicide. Like for, for what reason would someone go that far and take that risk? It just seems like it's a situation where he lost his shit and he killed his lover. Yeah. And then he couldn't live with it. And I, I mean, I think that is just an interesting philosophical question of, you know, yeah, when we learn these things about people or when something like this happens, how does that affect the, you know, how their work is consumed from here on out? So do you think this means he'll, he'll never be included in like an exhibition at a museum? Um, Surely. You know, is someone going to try to take advantage of this situation and have like a solo retrospective because they'll know that it will bring people, even people who are outraged by that act in itself, like having a show and banking on this tragedy? That would be horrible. I say that, but also I'm the person who went to look at his artwork. Right. Like, you know, I went, I went to the art, like, I wonder how many hits that RC page is getting or whatever, you know, there, there are a couple of uh, websites with just a collection of his work. And so in that way, I am guilty of having the curiosity of like, oh, what can I see in these now? You know, Mm -hmm. that now that we know how these events transpired, like, what is, are there clues in there? I think that's always the looking thing. for clues. Like, yeah. Like, are there, yeah. are there signs that he was like planning this or that it was going to happen or could we have, and I think all of that in my head, and I think the general impetus for us to do that is to prevent it in the future to say like, okay. And that's not necessarily logical, but I think that's where it comes from. I think that's where the desire comes from is to be like, okay, if I can see something in this artwork, maybe in the future, if you see something like that, you would be able to prevent something, even though I don't think that's necessarily true. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I'm also curious to know how much art was a part of this murder um, with her being a curator and he being an artist, how much of their conflict was centered around art, mm-hmm. if at all. Yeah. Um, I would be very curious to know. I mean, what's unfortunate is that, I mean, I think until they really start interviewing people or there, I mean, there won't be a trial. Um, so I don't know how the information will ever come out, but I think where my interest lies is how the art world responds to a crime like this. It's a very different, it's a very different thing. You know, yeah. Questions just keep popping up. You want to know, you want to know what, created this act yeah Um, it's very it's it's intriguing incredibly sad and also i just hope that the reaction is appropriate yeah have you read anything that has shocked you like in terms of people standing up for him or trying to disconnect i think his art one of the one of the best kind of trends that I've seen in terms of how people are handling this situation is um, like hyper allergic, for instance, they came at it on their account by saying like, you know, we are not going to talk about Saul Fletcher. We're going to talk about all the amazing stuff that Rebecca Bloom did for the art world. Like, and so they're just doing profiles on her. You know, Mm -hmm. saying like, we're just going to talk about what an amazing person she was and, you know, what a professional, like brilliant, rich life she had. And that's their, uh, it's a very concerted effort to make sure that Rebecca doesn't just kind of slide into this victim 
territory. And she's more of, uh, kind of remembered for all the stuff that she was doing. Right. So I think that's fascinating. Um, and you know, I, I hope that that continues because I do think that that shows a total shift in how the art world is responding to things like this. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's definitely a negation of Saul Fletcher's work. It will be like, I'm really glad you're bringing this up because it's so fresh. It just happened and it'll be interesting to watch how this unfolds in terms of how does he continue to live on as an artist beyond this? Mm-hmm. If if he does, maybe his identity is just going to be extinguished. and Right. And maybe hers will be eliminated. Maybe she'll yeah. be the one that, you know, kind of comes out on top and is remembered and then he'll just disappear right oblivion yeah Mm. so i'm just i'm following it we'll see well so now we are like a part of some media in a way and well let's uh one way to kind of cap this is if we feel like capping it is like what are three super cool things about rebecca bloom all right number one she was bilingual she was extremely fluent in English and German, which I just think is, I just, if I could be, there are a lot of things that I wish about myself. One of them is that I was bilingual. Yeah. I'm embarrassed that I'm not. Don't be embarrassed. You still have time. (laughs) (laughs) And Um, that is a badass thing. So that's cool. She apparently made a lot of, um, like marmalades and different kinds of chutneys that was one of her great pastimes which i love this idea of this like curator woman who's bilingual living in berlin making chutneys and like curating exhibits and being amazing and i think the other thing is this uh kind of envelope pushing and constant experimentation in kind of creating art spaces that didn't have a hierarchical structure. So she's very much about this like collaborative, everyone being on equal levels way of approaching the art world and gallery worlds and exhibitions. And I think, I think Berlin is maybe a great place to do that kind of thing. I think so. Yeah. Those are my three cool things about Rebecca. All right. I like it. (laughs) I want to learn more about her and her legacy that was cut short Mm -hmm. by a fucking asshole. Fuck that guy. (laughs) Maybe Brad Pitt will actually chime in. (laughs) Can't wait. (laughs) Can't wait to hear what he has to say. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Maybe he'll denounce his, his pal, his friend. Maybe. He'll be like, uh, I thought he was lame and we weren't really even friends. And I'm sorry. I just burned all his art pieces that I owned. Someone out there who owns a self Fletcher is burning it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So until next week, in two weeks, actually, people will hear it. Technically, weeks, so. yeah, two weeks from now. This podcast is brought to you by We Own This Town, the greatest podcast network in history. Based out of Nashville, focused on Tennessee people. Um, and our music is by the lovely Patrick Dampfier. And our artwork is by the super talented Saskia Colchis. Wait, did I say her name right? Colchis? Yeah, Yeah. that's it. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.